1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is
0: still here. The face of HIV is so diverse.
1: The biggest
2: thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and
0: HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County.
1: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org.
2: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out One hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast, Uh, bringing you behind the curtain. We are recording this an hour after, you know, the Great Escape 2.0, shall we say, England's (laughs) defeat in Germany. Uh, So you've got a a very happy group of people on this podcast. Uh, Liam, are you, uh, how happy are we on a scale
1: of 1 to 10? I'll give it a solid nine at the moment. I'm not going to get too far ahead, but uh, it I did go into this game thinking completely that we were going to lose it. I was convinced, and now I'm now really worrying about my fancy football takes. Because if I was <laughs> that convinced about England losing today, how good are my takes going to be come the season? So we'll see how it goes. How, how, how are you feeling, Rich? How do you well, I'm, I'm incredibly... rate that game?
2: Yeah, I'm incredibly ecstatic. I was saying, we, you know, just before we came on the pod, I was saying I, I felt confident that we were never going to lose in in 90 minutes. I, I wasn't so confident that we'd win it in extra time or penalties, but I just didn't think Germany were going to have enough to, to kind of score. So I, I felt confident, but yeah, not overly confident. But I'm I'm impressed how reserved you are. I think uh, the papers and, and the British media are going to go slightly mental over the next 24 hours. Um, but today we have got a, a very exciting show. Um, before uh, I talk to you about what we're going to talk about and, and bring in our guest Liam, we've got a, a very important FFCC giveaway. Um, so if you want to, I guess uh, announce the winners. And we we, we had a, a pre-show draw. So who are the two lucky uh, lucky guys?
1: Yeah. So if you didn't listen last week, um, we were giving away two FFCC, which is a charity um, fantasy football league. I believe there's a couple more giveaways going around on Twitter at the moment so if you get yourself over to the Five Yard Rush Twitter account, they may tweet out. I don't know whether you can think of any Rich that are still ongoing Um, but for the two winners that we've got that are going to have guaranteed spots in this year's FFCC, we've got I'm just going to read out the Twitter um, usernames because I can't pronounce one of the surnames (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I don't want to butcher it on a on a podcast so we've got ff goat ball that's at ff Goatball and at ff underscore john j you've both won an ffcc spot for this year so please dm the five yard dynasty um account and we'll get you sorted we'll pass your names over to Murph as well to get you with an invitation and I'm assuming we'll get allocated straight to a division as well. So congratulations, both of you.
2: Yeah, great stuff. And thank you to, to all of those that entered. Um And if you've you've not won your spot in this time around, I believe, as Liam said, there are still a couple floating around. I believe the uh Fast Action Friday guys have still uh, got their giveaway rolling. So please uh, get in quick and get your spots. Um, but diving into um, the topic for today. So, joining us, we have got one of the newest members of the Five Yard Dynasty team.
0: Uh, we've got Lewis Woods. So, Lewis, welcome, and how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on, man. I'm I'm good. I was I was actually uh, the opposite to Liam uh, going into the game. Uh, <laughs> I was overwhelmed. Um, And I'm now convinced that it's coming home. I've I've messaged all of my group chats to say so. Uh, But no, I'm really, really good. I'm I'm really excited to be on with you guys. Thank you for having me. Sorry, Rich. There's the opposite um,
1: energy from my scepticism at the start.
2: It's nice to have a positive and a negative, isn't it? You know, a yin yin and a yang on a podcast. So.
1: If, if, as long as we could, the the
2: press sits somewhere in between. I don't want to hear, uh, you know, all sorts of papers telling us that he's coming home and and that's it. We're going to win the league, uh, win the cut now. Um, So, today's topic. So, Lewis, if if you missed it, Lewis is doing a, uh, you know, a a how to dynasty series for us at the moment. Um, And he started with how to win your startup. So, we thought, what better? than to get Liam on uh, to have a bit of a Lewis. chat around Lewis on. I, I apologise, Lewis and Liam. <laughs> going <gonna I'm>, to happen. <laughs> it's it's going to happen about 10 times through this podcast. I hope yeah. you do know who I'm talking to because I'm going to do it constantly. <laughs> um, so we get Lewis on to talk about startup strategy. So Lewis, I know you're a big proponent of kind of diving straight in, in those dynasty startups and, and going win now. Is that your
0: approach every time? I really am. Yeah, we've spoken about this quite a lot of a messenger. Um, I am not someone who likes to look at my roster at the end of a draft and think how good it's going to be in five years time. Um, I think that's a big thing in the dynasty community. I think I think quite often people like to go, I'm going to dominate for eight years And in four years' time, I'm going to be amazing. Oh, for this season, I'm going to be rubbish. Everything's going to be awful. But, you know, in in four years' time, I'm going to be top of the league. And I understand. I can understand the appeal of it, and I understand the appeal of um, looking towards kind of the the assets that are going to gain value over time. But for me, um, I like to leave a draft knowing that I can at least compete for the championship in my first year if everything goes right. Um, which I like to take into a startup. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, I do like to load up on rookies a little bit later on, but also um, that attitude in the dynasty community of often an overvaluation of youth means that you can really play the value game and pick up some veterans who are going to compete and be part of your lineup right away, uh, really towards kind of those those middle rounds, are, I would much rather use those spots on someone who is going to instantly uh, make a difference for me to win a championship in the first year, as opposed to someone who may potentially pick up value in in kind of three to four years' time.
2: Yeah. And so, Liam, how, where do you sit on the, the win now? Are you trying to win, win in year one at, at all costs, or are you trying to kind of balance that two to three year or as lewis says sort of five to eight year window
1: to to build a true dynasty so personally i try and wait for the draft to come to me i try not to make picks that will move me one way or another so what i mean by that is when i'm drafting so i'll take for an example the five yard dynasty draft that we did not long ago rich um i took prescott Swift and Kittle who are all decent win now options but can also have a long life in a fantasy football career and I kind of waited to see what was going to drop to me until I made my decision of whether I was going to go younger and try and win later or whether I was going to go win now Um, I don't like making that decision too early on I think the biggest thing for me is having that choice of okay, I've got a really good value on a win now player and my roster can still move in that direction and and rotate or pivot into that, into that window. And a big thing that I see um, dynasty players do is what Louis said is look at a window that's five to eight years on. I don't think that many dynasty leagues go for eight years to be honest. Um, I know that you're going to have the home leagues or anything like that, but a lot of dynasty teams aren't going to survive eight years and a lot can change in eight years. I tend to try and look at my dynasties in a two to three year window, because if you look at three years in the past compared to now, look at how different that first round or that first top 12 of running backs are. I wasn't Todd Gurley go in as the 101
0: four years ago, three years ago. And and what a nosedive that's been from him. And and I I do agree with you, and I think it's worth kind of pivoting to the way the draft falls. And, and it's not a case of really going chips in, but in a draft in a startup that I was in recently, um, I was drafting at the 11 turn. And my first two picks ended up being Saquon and then Cam Akers. A little bit early for Akers, but I'm a Rams fan and I need to get a share of him somewhere. And then Zeke fell to me in the third. And I think that's really good value on Zeke. And that's then the moment that you go, okay, I think I know what this team is going to be. And if I can start off with those three players, then, yeah, I think I know where we're going to be pivoting towards. Um, And then I ended up, you know, because I'd seen things heading in that direction, I ended up picking up uh, Julio Jones just before the Titans trade came out. I think either in the ninth or tenth as my wide receiver four. Um, But I knew that I could allow myself that because I could see where my team was going to be going and and where the window for my team was going to be.
2: Yeah, and I think... I don't. It's not that I, I guess I disagree with the kind of approach of win now. For me, the way I approach any startup is whatever I'm doing with my running back position basically dictates how I'm looking to win. And same as you, Liam, I, I try to look at two to three windows. If I'm not, it's never that I'm not trying to compete. But if I feel like I'm not going to be a contender in year one then what I'm looking to do is the, you know, the whole Ryan McDowell productive straddle model where I'm basically opting out at the running back position and I'm going, I'm trying to load up at quarterback wide receiver tight end, make sure I'm fully set there because I know I can get a running back in next year's rookie draft. I know I can get, you know, go out and trade for a running back and then that's me set. And I think that, I, I agree with you completely. I don't ever go into a draft thinking I won't win in year one because quite frankly, what's the point in being, you know, I, I hate being in leagues where I'm basically like, okay, I can't win this year. I'm, I'm all about trying to win every year, but it's very much dependent on that running back team. If I feel like the value's not there at running back, then I will quite happily just opt out of running back completely. And I've d- I did it in one startup this year where I don't think I took a running back until like round 11. But my team is absolutely stacked everywhere else. So if I get lucky and I get, you know, I then took like 10 running backs on the, on the run. So if one of those or two of those hit and I get some production, then I know I can trade a future asset to go and get a stud running back or something like that. And then I can win this year. Or I can look at, getting a rookie in the draft, you know, trading for a running back next year. And then I'm absolutely loaded because I know that I'm established at wide receiver tight and quarterback. And I think we've seen, you know, you talked about, you know, five years ago. Well, five years ago, the top four running backs in ADP were Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Lev Bell, David Johnson. We know what's happened to three of those four. You look at the wide receivers, okay, it was Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, but then you've got DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Alan Robinson, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper. You know, the wide receiver, the quarterback, the tight end position are so much more consistent year on year. And that is how I like to build my dynasty teams. I think you need running backs to to win dynasty championships and fantasy championships, but I don't like building my dynasty teams around running back because... You know, the 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 cliff is real and it, and boy does it come quickly. So when you're going into your draft, Lewis, are you are you kind of having a, a predetermined strategy? Are you looking at, you know, right, I'm going quarterback in the first, running back in the second? Are you trying to see where the value falls? Are you targeting particular guys? You, what sort of strategy do you have going in?
0: Um so never really kind of a predetermined strategy in terms of Okay, and we're going quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and then I'm going to cycle through it. It's really about accumulating value and also uh, making sure that you have your tiers set out in advance. I think tier based drafting is is really a big thing in the industry at the moment, and it's really helps if you can build your own tiers to know where the value actually is. Um, so, say for example, um, the startup that I was doing recently. There was a uh, yeah, the startup where I was drafting. No, it's a different one. I've had quite, you know, it's the off season. I've had quite a few <laughs> startups recently. Um, I think I was drafting at the nine, at nine, um, because I never ever pull a top three pick, and I knew I had seven players on my list, Superflex League, seven players on my list who. That's who I desperately wanted. That's my tier one. Um, so you're looking at, you know, really the, the top five or six quarterbacks and then CMC. And it got towards the seven spot and Kyler Murray was still there. And Kyler Murray to me is, is my quarterback two for Dynasty. And I thought, I have to move up here. I'm a really big proponent for moving back, but I have to move up there to go and get him because looking at my tiers he is the only um, tier one quarterback I've got left. Um, and that's actually, you know, that's not a strategy I normally take. I'm, I'm a big proponent for moving down instead of moving up. But by looking at it then, I can go, okay. And I think the offer I ended up making was really, really swung towards my side because I think I only moved back a few spots in like the second and the fourth and the sixth compared to moving up in the first. Um, and looking at then the drop between tiers... For those spots looking at ADP, you know, that was nothing at all. But for the tier of Kyler to go up and get him in the first, because I had that laid out in advance, that made that really, really clear. Um, but again, you can then pivot from that and go, I'm not going to end up taking a quarterback in the third or fourth now. Um, so I'm going to wait until the, the kind of the, the fifth or sixth and take one around that Stafford, Tanner Hill, Baker sort of range because I knew I'd gone up to get an elite option. Um, I'm really about, uh, as you were saying beforehand, Liam, kind of letting the draft come to me um, and seeing how things work out. Um, And when you have the tiers in place, it makes it so much easier to go, Okay, I know I need to go up and get this player because I can see that he's the only tier two wide receiver left.
2: Yeah. Okay. And Liam, do you, taking something Lewis said there about, you know, going up and getting a guy. Are you, are you a proponent of, of trading up or, or are you one of these that's, you know, it, it seems to be the in thing, doesn't it, at the moment to, to trade back at every opportunity?
1: I think, as Lewis said, it really depends on your tiers and where you see the value falling off. So I had a startup um, just before the NFL draft where I traded back so much I didn't make a pick until the fourth round where I got Austin Eckler, which I thought was a great value. And I was just moving back until I saw a great value like that. I picked up Godwin in the fifth, I think. And then by the time we got to the ninth, I'd rounded out my starting lineup while people were still um, picking up their, picking up players for their starting lineup. And I think that's where it kind of, when I say come into a draft and let it come to you. I also think that kind of means zig when everyone else is zagging. And if moving back is way too hard because no one's giving you that value to move back, maybe that does mean that when you try and trade up, that value is equally easier to move up with. And I think with the drafts in total at the moment. I think the only place that I'm probably looking at moving up is if I am at one of those later picks. I know we've spoken about it in previous pods and Lewis has just mentioned it there. If I'm in one of the later picks. So after the top five quarterbacks, I'm probably trying to move up into that top five just to take the the last one of that bunch. So that's Mahomes, Murray, Allen, Prescott and Lamar. And, um, I think that's the only time I'm probably looking at moving up unless I see an absolute value just dropping further and further and I'm really confident in that player.
0: Really, I had to stop myself from jumping in and adding Herbert on the end of that.
1: No,
2: not for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not for me either, unfortunately. Um, so Lewis, I know you, you know you talked about it in your article, you you love trading back and accumulating that value and it feels like you know everybody wants to do it. Do you still think it's possible? Because I'll be honest, I'm trying every single one of my startups and I don't know if it's because it's me. I don't know if it's because I sit here and I talk about accumulating value and trading back and blah, blah, blah. But it's just impossible. Nobody wants to trade up anymore.
0: You've got to, this is the dangerous thing, isn't it? Is you go on a podcast and you say something, people listen <laughs> and they go, I'm not playing this with you anymore, Rich, because I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> um, it's, it is It is becoming difficult. People people know Um that that's what everyone wants to do. And and yeah, I, I've seen it in startups recently that, you know, I've messaged the group chat at, you know, midway through the second round and gone happy to move back to the third if there's someone people want um, and then got nothing for an hour um, and gone, all right, I'll just take someone then. Um, I think what's really nice and I've actually started doing this with anything trade related recently is messaging in and saying "I'm we're at 2-6. I'm looking to move somewhere in the 3-1 to 3-6 range for a 6th or 7th rounder. And actually instead of kind of making people play the game, saying directly this is what you can come and get, this is what I want. Um, it's much easier in the earlier rounds when you can even say so say in that example where I've taken Kyler uh, in the first, and maybe there's uh, maybe Dak slipped a little bit, maybe Herbert's still there, maybe you know one of those kind of top tier quarterbacks is, is still on the board, and you can directly say, hey, you know, you you took CMC, come and get Herbert to go with him, you know, come and get one of those elite quarterbacks to, to to match up with them, and if you can directly say. Hey, this guy's still on the board, come up and get them, then great. But no, I absolutely see what you mean. It, it's becoming very, very difficult to do.
2: Yeah, I think there's two, two points there I want to pick up on. So, the first one, I think that's a fantastic point about offering up an exact price. Because I think the, the biggest issue I have with a lot of leagues, and I see it all the time, is a bloke gets put on a trade block or I want to move here, but they won't, you then say, okay, what's your price? And then they'll go, make me an offer. And I get that. But my point is, is that I think anybody needs to be willing to open the negotiations. And by saying, you know, you're quoting your exact price, people then are more inclined to deal with you because they know what the price is to start that conversation. They know that you're not trying to rip the leg off. I think that's a fantastic point. And certainly, you know, I think it needs to happen more because I think that, that makes for better trade and I think it makes for, for happier leagues all over the board. The second point, I, I have to say, it really, really annoys me and I really hate it and I I, I get really irate whenever anybody does what what I call is talks the board and it's, you know, everybody's sitting there and say we're in, you know, at the, at the 106 and it's the final, you know, me and Lou have talked about our top five QBs and CMC and, and it's the final one of those league QBs. It really, really irritates me if someone posts in the chat. Um, anybody want to trade up and come and get Dak or, or something like that? Because to me, I just re- it really grates with me that you're t- what I call talking the board. Because I think that's that's kind of a, a draft faux pas. I think by all means, put up you want to move back, but I hate I hate it when people put a player on it, and I hate it when you know someone's sitting there and, and maybe tight ends are falling in the draft, and someone at the other end of the board who's suddenly thinking, oh, I've already taken a tight end early. I could do with some tight ends going here. Goes, oh, surprised how far tight ends have fallen and stuff like that. So those those, those actions, anyone who does that, if you're in a league with me, I'm al- I've already probably had a rant in the chat about it. But yeah, that that really drives my gears. Liam, am, yeah. I, am I completely irrational or, or back me up here? Is that is is that oh, something that you get annoyed at as
1: well? I, I'm 100% with you. I, I absolutely hate it when someone tries to tour the board. Like... Everyone knows who's on the board already. We can see a list of it. We don't need someone else pointing it out. I I don't know whether I'm being too harsh there. I know we've been (laughs) called harsh previously with our scrutiny series that we've just finished. But honestly, yeah, it just really bugs me when someone knows that there's a player there that shouldn't be there (laughs) and then posts about
2: it. So do you guys think then, we're talking about trading back and, and how everybody wants to do it. Do you think we're getting to a point where trading up becomes the new efficiency? Because I think last offseason, and it was certainly a tactic that I used in pretty much all of my startups and, and received huge kind of value, was that trading back because people were still wanting to come up and get two or three elite studs and and forgetting that they were, were missing out on value. Now the whole community seems to have gone obsessed with trading back. Do you think that the prices are going to start dropping to a point where actually – trading up and going and getting some studs might be the, the new efficiency. What do you think, this?
0: So uh, this is actually something that I spoke about in my article a little bit in, in, a, in a slightly different way in terms of the value of those later-round picks. Um, you can always find people in startups who see picks as the value by themselves and think that, you know, you always have a guy who goes – who wants to stock up on thirds for some reason or who has loads of fifths and therefore thinks that he's going to... In terms of rookie picks rather than In terms, than of, in terms of rookie picks, yeah, yeah. Someone thinks they have loads of fifth round rookie picks and therefore they're going to absolutely nail the rookie draft because it's just dark throws. Um, in a startup draft, I'm actually quite happy to sacrifice some of those. You know, if we're looking at kind of the 15th onwards, um, I'm kind of happy to sacrifice those. Um, and you will always find people who are really happy to take on... A fourth round rookie pick or a sixteenth round startup pick in order to move down a little bit. Um, I'm really happy to do that. Um, and again, but I think really the key thing is is just looking at the way the board's falling um, and also remembering that the moment the draft ends, it does not matter where you took those players. You know, the fact that you didn't you didn't end up with a sixth round pick doesn't matter if your team looks incredible at
2: the end yeah what what about you Liam what's your thoughts on kind of future draft capital in startup are you willing to throw away you know in what would be now 2022 draft picks to to try and gain extra value in in year one as such
1: I think that really depends on how you want to do your startup so for for me how I I've already spoken about this. I, I try to go as as fluid as possible. I, I make sure that I can pivot one way or another. But if I know that I'm not going to go for my win now strategy and probably move to more of a win in two, three years, then I like accumulating that draft capital. But as Lewis said, I'm not a huge fan of anything past the third round. If a fourth rounder will get a deal done, I'll throw that fourth round in like it's nothing. How many people hit in the fourth? I know you have your hit rates, Richard. I think you said it was six last time I asked, 6%. Yeah,
2: so basically for me, I really want to keep and accumulate as many first and second round picks as I can because I think that their value only increases through the season. And I think that you're more likely to get a better player with those picks in season than you are pre-season. And I also think that you know the hit rates and and the the potential return on those two first two round picks are fantastic. But with a, you know, a third or fourth or fifth, you know, we're looking at 10, 6, 2% hit rates at that point. I'm more than happy to throw them in as a trade because to me, anything past the kind of third round pick, even in Superflex League, is is basically worthless. Um, if you're if you're listening to this and you're in my leagues, they're the greatest picks ever. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy. If, if at any point you, you're asking for a third or a fourth, I'm I'm like yeah, deal yeah. done because it, it means nothing to me.
1: I'll, I'll stop sending that uh, random <laughs> first to fifth round startup for fourth.
2: That Sounds good. Um, so, Louis, are you when you're going into um a startup so at the moment you know i'm, I'm building up for my first ever scott fishbowl i'm quite excited I'm, I'm very much a take value but i found myself the last couple of weeks really becoming obsessed of right i've got to get a quarterback by this point i've got to get a running back by this point it's, and it's it's kind of messing with my head a little bit because it's certainly not a, a tactic or a strategy that i've ever used or will ever use i think but for you are you going into let's say a, a standard superflex flex tight end premium startup are you looking at the board and going? I must have a quarter my QB1 by round three. Are you taking that kind of positional strategy, I guess, at all?
0: Recently, uh, I have been going into startups in this offseason knowing that there is a very low chance I'm going to take a wide receiver before the fifth round, um, which means that if I'm going into a superflex Titan premium league, i preferably want this is the way i've liked to build teams recently i want one of those top five quarterbacks and i want one of the big three tie- ends um if i can leave a draft with them i am absolutely ecstatic um that's really huge for me at the moment because the 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 depth of the wide receiver position is fantastic i i recently had a startup that i didn't pick wide receiver until the fifth. And I ended up with uh, Michael Thomas, which we could do a whole podcast on its own <laughs> about his dynasty value. Uh, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup and Julio Jones as my four wide receivers. The value there it, it is so high in the later rounds. And then again, I mean, the value at tight end is we all know Um after that top three, Carl Pitts, dependent on him, and then kind of a few other interesting names. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson <laughs> as well. We have to be careful not to talk about him too much, or uh, his ADP will end up rising as well. But, you know, your yeah, yeah, Hawkinson's, fan's Goddard's, that kind of tier, uh, Andrews as well. But I want one of those big three tight ends if I can take them in the kind of the first three, four rounds, because I know in a Titan Premium League, that is something that compared to the value of the other players on the board, that is going to give me such a huge advantage. So if I can leave with a top five quarterback in the first and then uh, one of those big three tight ends, maybe in the third or fourth, I am very, very happy.
2: Okay. So oh, Liam, don't worry. I'm not going to trigger you and ask your thoughts on tight ends in Titan Premium League. I think uh, the <laughs> listeners have heard that for the last couple of weeks, but <laughs> are you how do you try and kind of balance positional needs versus that kind of roster value do you get to a point in the sixth seventh eighth rounds for example and you're thinking god I've really got to take a running back here or I really got to get a tight end or are you just a case of in a startup you're taking best player available no matter what the position
1: it really depends for me so I'm I'm more or less BPA at all points during the draft. The only times where that will ever change is if I'm looking to compete and I need a running back three, for example, I might take someone around earlier than I'd expect them to go just to secure it. But that's probably the most I'll ever do. I'll never take someone just because like a tight end, just because I need a tight end. I think, That's one of the biggest things that I see people make a mistake on is, oh, I've got this starting lineup. So I've got QB, a super flex spot, and then five to 10 spots of wide receivers and running backs that I need to fill. And then, oh, now I've filled all of those. I've got this tight end spot that just needs to be filled. So they take it then when at that point, I don't think the value is quite there for that for that range of tight ends you know that I've said this on multiple podcasts already I either go for one of the top three like Louis said just or I'm not taking one until probably like the 15th round where I'm maybe snagging someone like a Jared Cook who can be good for one year uh, and then a plethora of, of a, a group at the end that I could sub in if I ever need to or for the bye week um, so for me, short answer is I always go best player available because the startup isn't the end of a dynasty. That's the whole point of a dynasty. It, it's literally in the name. It's a start. You can always trade outside of that. Um, and just because people aren't willing to trade X player for X player at the straight afterwards because you took him in the seventh and they took him in the sixth, who knows? At the start of the season, the tables may have turned, and they could be coming to you for that exact trade. So, I, I always go best player available, and probably look for that upside or that player that might increase in value by the season start. I think for
2: me, you've hit, you've hit the nail on the head again there. In that, that just because you finish your startup, it doesn't mean you need to finish your startup with a complete roster. You've still got plenty of time to trade. Now, I'll always back myself as a trader that I'll be able to go out and fill a roster hole even if it's not in week one, I know I can kind of model through a couple of weeks until someone decides they're not in contention and then I can go and kind of pinch from their roster. I think, you know, I did a, so it was a, a reasonably high stakes dynasty league um, a couple of weeks ago, start up. And basically the value was obscene. So I got Josh Allen in the first, I was picking fourth. So I got Josh Allen at 104, Joe Barrow at 209, Devonta Adams 304, reached a little bit for Miles Sanders, but, running backs were flying off the board and then I didn't touch running back again until the 15th round because running backs were just going at such an obscene rate I was like I was just I I got Deontay Johnson I got Cortland Sutton I got Brandon Cooks Julio Jones Adam Thielen like I was I was just loading up at, at receiver and and quarterback I still got I got Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson on top of that as well um because I was just like I know that with the rest of this roster in, in position, I'm going to be able to compete. And the, the, it's become a bit of a joke in the league that I think everybody knows that I need a running back. So nobody is willing to trade me a running back at the moment, no matter what, because everybody's like, oh, Rich needs a running back. I'm not trading one. But I know that over the next you know, three months, or even once we get into that first or second week, I know that there's either going to be injuries, and I've got like 15 running backs on my bench, so one of them might become a, a starter, or as I said, someone is going to become a uh, essentially a, a, a rebuild, shall we say, and uh, and that's when I can jump in. Lewis, are you are you kind of more positional need? Are you thinking that you know, for example, if quarterbacks fly early, are you in a super flex, are you happy to wait out a quarterback run and load up on positional value elsewhere? Or are you trying to, you know, I guess not miss out any position? I,
0: I think it's really crucial to touch on kind of runs within a startup. Um, you're never wanting to be at the end of a run. You want to start it. Um, so I know for a fact, every single Superflex startup I've ever been in, around the sixth there's going to be a huge run on quarterbacks as everyone tries to either snag the last players they're happy with as their QB1 or people starting to get their QB2. And if if they're going to fly off there, I do not want to touch them.
2: It always, it always happens when the first team takes their QB3. And yeah. then suddenly it's because everybody's sitting there going, oh, it's OK. Nobody's taking a QB3. I can be the last person. I'm happy with quarterback 24 as my QB2. I'm happy there. And then somebody takes a QB3 and then everybody suddenly goes, oh, if everybody else takes a QB3, I'm <laughs> going to be left without a quarterback. Oh, quick, panic. And then there's yeah. just, a, as you say, a mad rush for quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, we've spoken a lot about kind of value, the, the value that's going to push down the board. I'm more than happy to, to sweep up afterwards. And and again, it's, it's confidence and experience in yourself as a dynasty player, knowing the differences in dynasty compared to redraft that, I know that I'm good enough at trading to go out afterwards and sort my team out, you know, and, and and fix a hole and improve my roster. And I know that I can look afterwards and look at everyone else's teams and and, and figure something out. So I'm kind of happy to take the value and look afterwards and go, yeah, my QB team might be whoever. Um, But the depth I've got here, people are going to want and, and come and get uh, come and get a piece of that. So
2: I would say my my one frustration at the moment, and it seems I don't know if it's just this season. I didn't seem to have the problem last season, but after the startup, there becomes what I call a bit of a draw, a, a trade lull, yeah. when no- nobody trades because everybody looks at it. You offer them a trade, and they're like, "Oh, but you took that guy in the fourth, and I took this guy in the sixth, or, so I wouldn't do that trade." And yeah. it's it's like. You almost become paralysed by the values that you got in the startup, and it's it's only once you start to get sort of into training camp, it it feels like yeah. that those trades start to happen. Whereas in previous years, I've I've never had that problem. I don't know if that's something that you're you're experiencing as well. In
1: yeah, that that's exactly what I said earlier. You just because you finish a startup doesn't mean that's the end of this off season. You will get a chance to trade again at one point. Um, and I just wanted to touch on something that you said about the runs and um, with what I say about zigging while everyone's zagging, you you need to think about when a run is coming. So normally you'll see your first five or six QBs, you'll see a bunch of running backs, you, you'll see a tight end here or there. And then once you get out of that second round, you can kind of start predicting when the next runs are going to be, dependent on how you think the rest of the draft is going to go. So when I say let a draft come to you, that doesn't mean, okay, well, this is, th- this is what's happened so far. So I'm going to do this. I, well, I do mean that by an, to an extent, but I think I don't mean be reactive. I mean, pr- be proactive, know what you're going to do at your pick before that pick comes. So with what Lewis was saying about that, running back or that quarterback run in the sixth or seventh round try preempting that if you're on the corners of the draft so if you're anywhere in the the one to three or the 10 to 12 range in a normal 12 team starter take your qb2 qb3 preempt that run and then that means that everyone else is reacting to what you've done pushing down players that you can then snag up in the next round And I think that's a big thing that people don't do is, although they allow the draft to come to you, and I know Murph mentioned this um, on the part that has just gone out this week, trying to dictate your draft as well, understanding what the other players are going to do in your league and doing something that throws them off and starting runs where they wouldn't expect a run to go or being at the start of a run is always better than being at the end of one. 100%. 100%. 100%. Couldn't
2: agree more. I think, yeah, if you can,
1: if you can try and, as you say, dictate that draft,
2: then, then that's normally where you're, you're going to come in.
0: It is, it is really funny. Uh, I'm glad you've seen it as well with kind of the QB2, QB3 run that every startup I do, um, there are some patterns that you'll see all the time. So, for example, the moment George Kittle goes, or Darren Waller goes, the next one will go within the next two to three picks as people go, oh, there's only one left. Um there's a few trends that you will see in terms of people reacting to the draft as it happens in every single startup. And it's just as people look at the board and panic and think, I wanted this strategy and therefore I have to react to what's just happened in front of me.
1: So moving on, Lewis, I just wanted to ask you one thing. So we spoke about draft, uh, future draft capital and how you value them in your leagues. But I know that certain leagues especially around startup season, don't or have different preferences going into a, a startup. Some prefer a rookie draft as a separate draft afterwards that's predetermined. So sometimes it's the opposite order of the startup draft order, or you can draft the 101 in the rookie draft in your actual startup. And I know for people wondering how to do that on Sleeper, If you're not using a kicker or a DST, use that as a placeholder and then just keep track offline somewhere on a spreadsheet as a pinned message, whatever. Um, And then I suppose the other thing is, do you prefer rookies in your startup if it's after the NFL draft or do you prefer those two separate drafts
0: so I think if you're drafting after the NFL draft you should be drafting the pool of players available to you Um so I massively prefer having rookies in there Um and then that always makes it really interesting seeing at what point rookies are going to start flying off the board and seeing where you can value those okay that's the 102 that's the 103 as it goes through um, but uh, one thing I can understand, and I think this is something we're all going to share, uh, drafting is really fun. So I can understand those people that go, I'd actually quite like a separate rookie draft because it gives you two drafts to have. Um, so I'm always a big proponent for including uh, rookies in your startup. But say uh, this time last year, uh, while everyone was you know, not in the best place and had a lot of time to kill, I actually said at any start so at that point, let's do a separate rookie draft because it gives me something else to look forward to. Um, so I completely understand people that take that approach.
2: I think I'm, this is something I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about and I love the idea of two separate drafts. I completely get it. But for me... Anybody that suggests right, we'll do a draft order for the the veteran draft, and then we'll flip it for the rookie draft. It's it's absolutely mind blowing for me because
0: it's really stupid. It's
2: it's completely idiotic because the the difference in value between the one hundred and one and the one twelve in a veteran draft is mm-hmm. basically not much. The difference between the one hundred and one and the one twelve in a rookie draft, you're talking like seven or eight rounds in value yeah. in a startup. It is mental that anybody would do that if you want to have two separate drafts you have got to include those rookie picks in the draft pool have the picks of draftable not two separate drafts because I love having two separate drafts but you can't flip the, the draft yeah. order it, I, was, I was in a league that that basically tried to force that and I, I ended up leaving because um, I just couldn't get my head around and nobody seemed to understand what I was saying. Everyone's like, Oh, but it's not that different. No, it's, it's hugely different. Um, so yeah. So please, if you're listening, don't do two separate rookie drafts, <laughs> flipping the order it is, it is absolutely ridiculous.
1: What you should have said there, Rich, is I'll trade you the one o one and the 112 in the rookie for the opposite and see whether they actually accepted that trade because I guarantee you if you were at the 101 in the veteran you would not have accepted that
2: trade well this the point was was that I was actually the 112 in the veteran draft so I was the one who was gaining the most value so I then had the 101 in the rookie draft so really you know if I was being a you know a a bit of a snake I should just kept shut and I'd have got an incredible amount of value but I was trying to do the best thing for the league and I realized that I don't really want to be in a league if people can't see and understand this, this, how ridiculous this is. I don't want to be in a league because it's only going to kick off in a, a month or two and something else happens.
1: Yeah, I am with you. I think the, the, the one thing I wanted to point out was personally, I don't mind whether we have one or two drafts. If I'm ever in a startup, I just don't want it to be re- the reversed order of the veteran uh, draft purely because of what you said. And I do like the idea of having the two drafts, not only because what we've already spoken about of having the ex- the extra draft and drafting is the fun part of Dynasty, but you've also got, or at least I don't know whether I, or I don't know whether you guys have found this, but I personally have found leagues that do two separate drafts tend to trade more after the starter because people 100%. want to move around in the rookie draft.
2: 100%. And I think also, you know this is probably a little bit of a, a sneak peek but if you're um, drafting those those rookie picks early that's you can get some incredible value there. Um but that that concludes the, the pod. Um, so before we, we talk about Lewis and, and where you can see his upcoming work um I just want to mention guys the unique raffle. Um, so we announced it on last week's pod. We have had a really good response. So we've had almost 30 entries now. Um, we've added in a signed James prost jersey. Um, there are some incredible prizes. You have still got a week to enter. So for those who don't know, it is a donation um, of an, an amount that is divisible by £3.12. So you can donate £3.12, £6.24, uh, £31.20 if you want. Um, and then you will gain you know however many divisibles that number of entries. Um, there are some really good prizes we have got the the unique best ball league as part of that. It is completely mental scoring. I've never seen anything like it. (laughs) Um, Me and stocks devised it and uh, yeah, it's safe to say it's, it's going to be a bit of a chaotic league. So you want to be part of that. Um, But Lewis, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's, it's been fantastic having you obviously you recently joined the team. It's been great having your part, but great to get you on the pod. Where can, uh, where can everyone follow you and, and where can we see your work?
0: so I'm on Twitter at Lewiswood underscore UK um, as you said I'm writing um, for Five Yard at dynasty how-to series um, always come and chat to me about dynasty uh, or anything else or car makers preferably um, on Twitter uh, and yeah it's been really really nice to be on guys uh, I'll, I'll be having another article hopefully coming out relatively soon uh, which I'm sure people can come and argue with me about over Twitter <laughs> as normally tends to happen <laughs>
2: fantastic well it's been great having you on um you know it is coming home and uh, hopefully <laughs> hopefully next week we're uh, you know we've we've secured our semi-final spot and uh, and we're even happy. We'll, uh, we'll see you again next week guys